0: everyone. I'm Trisha Bell. Hi, I'm Georgia Young. And welcome to CTE Talk, a podcast where we talk all about CTE,
1: concussion culture and sport, and life as a family member. Every Monday, we will be joined by guests to shed light on the neurological disease, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Join us on our mission to raise awareness and educate others. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to CTE Talk. Today is actually National CTE Awareness Day, which seems pretty uncanny because obviously we release the episodes every Monday. So it was Mm. the perfect timing. Um, But this is a day just to reflect on those who we lost to CTE and how to help those suffering with the disease. And obviously, most importantly, to find ways to stop the disease and stop so many people having to deal with it um but we hope you've enjoyed all the episodes so far i think it's been really lovely to hear such a range of stories so hopefully people are able to resonate with one of the experiences being shared um but we do really want to let people know that if you are struggling with this now that you're really not alone sadly cte is more common than you think um but like i said i hopefully listening to the stories provides you some sense of relief um but we have had a few questions sent in this week, so Trish and I thought we would just spend today's episode, just us two, answering those, so maybe you can know us a little bit better, know CTE a little bit, little bit better, and also get some clarification on some areas that you're not so familiar with, or you don't know too much about. So that's what we thought we'd spend sounds today's great. episode doing. Okay. Shall I kick us off with the first question? I'm going yeah, to sounds them great. I'm up on my phone. So the first question sent in was, "What ages can CTE be seen in?"
0: Wow. Um, Well, I think Georgia and I, I, you know, talked about this before. um, That Mm -hmm. the youngest diagnosed at this time, I think, was 17 years old, um, Mm -hmm. diagnosed with CTE post and Mm -hmm. that is very young. I'm not sure what the what the sports or what the background was of that person. Do you remember?
1: Um, i'm not too sure on the actual details of of that person but i think yeah it's i think this is what shocks a lot of people it can be found in really young ages and 17 currently is the, the youngest documented age of someone who has who's lost their life to cte um i do think there's this whole like misconception that cte only affects older ages because with other neurodegenerative diseases such as alzheimer's dementia they are associated with people aged over 60 really so i think people think that because some of the symptoms overlap that it's the case for cte but this is what's so different um about CTE, and we have to remember that it's caused by repetitive head impacts. so say if you've had repetitive head impacts from the age of 10 years old or untreated concussions from a young age then sadly that development and that buildup of tau and that protein can can start from an early on and that is why we do see it in in younger age groups and georgia explain what tau protein is yeah so tau protein is it's basically a, a protein within your brain that can migrate and um it builds up so this is what causes or stops the functioning of the brain in the way that a normal one would work. Um, so this builds up over time and basically the protein misfolds and misshapes. Um, so it causes all your neural pathways to, to act in different mannerisms, shall we say. Um, so when obviously these these brains are looked at in autopsy, then it, it, it shows the migration of this tau protein. So that's what's so specific about CTE and and why we look at it at autopsy because we can see that migration of the protein.
0: Right. And, and there are different types of tau protein for people in our audience who may be hearing that term for the first time. And when you look at the brain under microscope, like Georgia was talking about in autopsy, you will be able to see different types of tau protein, like an Alzheimer's tau protein or a um, frontal temporal dementia um, tau protein might be different from the CTE
1: Mm -hmm. tau
0: protein. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah and so going back to kind of like the age age thing that's why a lot of programs such as the Concussion Legacy Foundation are working hard to maybe limit the amount of contact sports in, in youth sports. so they currently have a program that's to stop tackle football under the age of 14. It's through these programs that we're able to minimize the amount of individuals that um, are getting such a young diagnosis. We've spoken about that sports we're never going to change it really are we we just got to talk about what can happen if we're not practicing safely and obviously like trisha said we only get one brain so trying to look after that from a young age is definitely a good step in the right direction yeah um but that leads us on to our next question which is what is the difference between cte and dementia or other dementias hmm. Wow, dementia is
0: such an interesting word, and it took me a long time to grasp um, what dementia means and how it's a symptom, and it's also part of a lot of different other diseases, mm -hmm. and it's also like this big heading where you could put dementia up here and and put, you know, all these other diseases underneath it that Mm
1: -hmm. it's kind
0: of like an umbrella term, would you agree?
1: Yeah, definitely. And also, it's important to note that you can have CTE and other neurological diseases at the same time. We know a couple of people who have lost their partners to CTE, and they also have ALS. Um, You can also get frontal temporal dementia um, at the same time. Parkinson's, yeah. So if you have CTE, to be honest, it's quite likely that you do have another neurodegenerative disease alongside it. Um, that seems to be proven in a lot of these people's um, brains that have been examined. Um, but a lot of neurological diseases do have a lot of overlap, like I was saying earlier, in their displayed symptoms. So memory loss, for example. However, there is quite a few unique features associated with CT. So like we've said, age is a big one, can be shown in younger age groups. Um, and obviously, that can increase, the caregiver trajectory so it can have a long lasting effect shall we say um and also it can't be diagnosed till autopsy which as i think quite a few of our guests have shared that having that diagnosis does provide quite a lot of relief because you stop that whole blaming yourself and questioning am i doing anything wrong um but they are trying to work hard to get a diagnosis during living that's currently mm-hmm. not available yet but hopefully in the near future that will be possible Yes, and and the symptoms
0: are um, of CTE are quite different. I would say than a lot of the other neurological disorders, in that a lot of the symptoms seem to appear in younger men. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of paranoia. There's a whole different like psychiatric issue. It's like having a neurological disease and a psychiatric issue combined, mm-hmm. and that's a good way to look
1: at it I think Mm -hmm. as far as symptoms go that's actually one of our questions like what's the initial signs and symptoms someone was saying that if I've got a family member and they start showing symptoms what would they be and what should I be looking out for so what was your initial initial symptoms that you would say is actually a bit of a red flag oh yeah okay and talking with wives um
0: I would say um, impulse control issues starting um, something where they start gambling or buying lottery tickets where they never did that before or start um, drinking when they never did before or drinking a lot more than they used to um, shopping just a change of behavior and impulsivity um, quicker to anger and um, those are some of the earlier symptoms um, paranoia Um insomnia is mm-hmm. a symptom of CTE um that happens starts happening pretty young um gosh there's those are the main ones I would say and the, and the memory loss stuff um I think starts coming like 10 years after that
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah there is quite an array of symptoms isn't there yeah mm-hmm. um And another question we got was, why can CT only be diagnosed after death? Um, I'll let you you take that one, Georgia. um, So basically a diagnosis requires evidence of the degeneration of the brain tissue and the deposits of tau, like we basically said a minute ago, and other proteins in the brain that can only be seen under inspection after death. So all of these different kind of neurological aspects can only be seen and detected when a brain um is examined after death so hence why ct is currently only diagnosed at autopsy but like i said they're working hard to try and diagnose it in the living through mri scans i think um so hopefully that will happen one day um the next question is for you and <clears throat> the um question is what in Trisha's advocacy over the years has helped her the most. So what has brought you the most peace or joy or hope through your advocating for CTE? Oh, wow. Um, There's been a lot of
0: change in the last 10 years, a lot. I mean, 10 years ago, you say CTE even to your neurologist, your doctor, your psychiatrist, um, anybody in the medical field, they had no idea what you're talking about. and then slowly that started to change and people talked about it. And, and, and I think it, awareness of CTE grew very quickly in 10 years. And that was amazing. Um, what else has helped is hearing the stories of other wives and daughters and sisters and brothers of people that had CTE and suffered with it in a lifetime um so many of the stories are very similar and I've just grown these great friendships with these women that I couldn't have gotten through the last you know 15 years without um their support. So I don't know how, how people handled it before that before when the when the wives of these most mostly athletes um when these wives had their husbands change and to different people and had no idea and they, there was mm-hmm. no Facebook to communicate with other people and and find other stories that are like yours you know so they suffered in silence thinking they were the only ones or they were crazy and
1: mm-hmm. a lot a lot of them I was gonna say it must be quite nice for you to actually see the development of cte awareness and education over over the years i bet you can't quite believe how how far it's actually come
0: yes um i remember meeting mr or dr omalu in 2009 at um the very first um like players conference thing we had uh retired players i forgot what they called it players congress and it was at a hotel in vegas and um we went and um That was the first time we heard about CTE and that was what going on 14 years ago.
1: Mm.
0: So that's amazing. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And all these stories that we hear now and all the individuals that come forward and share their experiences is what's helping us develop that knowledge and, and that ability to do the research and help so many people going through it now, or who may go through it um, in future years so the next question is this one's for me what research is Georgia undertaking at the moment so I think I said in the first episode that I'm in my final year of my PhD so mine is very focused upon I know woohoo! I can't wait to finish (laughs) (laughs) then we're gonna have to call you Dr Young I I know I'm definitely gonna milk Dr Georgia I'm I'm definitely gonna milk that I must admit (laughs) (laughs) you have to um but yeah, I'm in my final year and I obviously focus upon CT caregivers and their experiences. So I've currently finished two papers. Um, one focusing on older spousal caregivers, and the second paper understanding younger caregivers with varying relationships to the care recipient, whether they are the parent or child, to the person going through it, because I basically found that there was a real differentiation in experience experiences between older and younger caregivers and also what relationship they had to the person with cte um mm-hmm. so i was really interested in that and so i i separated the two papers um i think it's basically because with older individuals older caregivers that's what you do associate with neurological diseases like dementia like your alzheimers um so for them that whole caring um nature and looking after their partner was really second nature to them and they didn't really find it a burden during their role but it has seemed i found that after their role they do seem quite lost and have a a huge loss of purpose in their lives and i think that's related to the fact that they're probably out of work they don't have their children at home anymore so they don't have that distraction whereas with the younger caregivers it was quite hard for them um during the role because they were trying to balance a million things at once so balancing looking after young children trying Mm -hmm. to work to be able to afford medical bills looking after their husband which they don't know why these changes are happening to him I mean so there was quite a lot going on there and the dynamic was very different but after they lost their partners or whoever it may be um they tended to have more purpose in life they felt like a need to share the legacy and share the stories and um and help with their CT advocacy and also having them different dynamics in life, work and a family to run was a bit of a distraction for them. So that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. And I'm sure I'll share them papers when they've been published. Um, but currently I am working on something that is helping support CT caregivers. So I'm creating a resource and I'm going to basically disseminate that to a range of CT caregivers, Um, and see how effective it is for them in terms of the burden or any negative implications that they've experienced or are experiencing hopefully to try and minimize the amount of difficulties that individuals have post their role Um, so hopefully that will um, be quite effective Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah I should finish that in a couple of months so I'm excited about that so that's where my research is at at the moment um, yeah, I'm excited to
0: read
1: those. You haven't even been able to read the one that we did when I, you were one of my participants, were you? That hasn't come out yet. The letter, mm, Oh, the letter yeah, one? no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so no, that no, no, it a, was the interview. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. That should come out at the end of the year, Um. so that's exciting. Um, okay. Let's go on to the next question. Can you get CTE if you don't play sport?
0: Yes, you can. In you fact... Can the uh, most common um, cause of CTE in women is domestic violence. Mm -hmm. And that is a fact. Mm -hmm. Women Mm -hmm. also, um, I mean, cheerleading is considered a sport, um, Mm -hmm. but, you know, cheerleaders get CTE. Um, Mm -hmm. Jockeys get CTE. That's a sport also too, though. But yes, Mm -hmm. What, what what do you say, Georgia?
1: Yep, 100%. Like I reiterated at the start, c t e is caused by repetitive head trauma repetitive head injury. You can get that from anything any sport i mean like Trisha said, domestic violence victims sadly have to deal with that too um I think there's a again a misconception that it's just n f l players but actually it can happen to like i said anyone who has suffers from a lot of concussions or head injuries um And we have got a couple of guests coming on, haven't we, that their partners or their brother, they didn't play sport, they didn't actually play in the NFL, and they passed away from CTU. So it might be quite insightful for people to listen to them episodes that are coming up soon. Um, But also veterans are a big one. Um, We're Mm -hmm. actually soon to have a collaboration with... Um, The Coming Home Well organisation, which is a non-profit organisation that specialises in uh, looking after and supporting veterans um, after they return and dealing with the effects of brain injury um, that they've experienced. Um, So we're going to have a couple of, again, guests on that are talking about that perspective, which should be interesting, too. But, yeah, overall, you don't you can get CTE from not playing sport. It's it's quite sporadic, actually, how many people can have in what situations they're in. Um, That goes on to our next question, which is actually about veterans. So CTE is considered degenerative. So why isn't there more concentrated groups focusing on Vietnam veterans?
0: That's a very good question. Um, we know that the, it's the the blast impacts mm-hmm. that have the the impact on their brains that mm-hmm. that cause the CTE like symptoms. Because uh, again, it's those subconcussive hits, like Georgia mm-hmm. was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. Did they have that same technology um, in Vietnam? I mean, were they did they have those IEDs, those intermittent explosive devices? I mean, they had grenades, but Mm-hmm. I don't know that's a good question
1: because a lot of my research is focused on caregivers. I did do a bit of research around this question because I didn't want to provide any false information um but actually, I was quite i would say shocked, but I'm sadly not at the same time that um it was actually shown that since nine eleven over three hundred thousand soldiers have returned home with brain injuries um and Anne McKee has actually done quite a lot of research. Um, on this and on these individuals in a recent study uh, where she looked at 125 veterans brains 74 of them had cte it's basically caused by that blast that you was talking about Tricia. it's a blast injury it causes tremendous whiplash injury to the brain um, and within inside the skull and that's what gives rise to the same changes that we see in football players as in mi- military veterans so it's again it's that whole blast repetitive head injury that's causing that's causing it i mean there is i think i we can put a few links down in the description of that paper and some other research that's looking at that so hopefully that could be of use for you um but there's definitely is a lot of focus on veterans and i know that there's quite a few organizations that are looking into that too which is very but important also, also i do know
0: that even like according to like the veterans administration here in the united states mm-hmm. and that um PTSD and TBI, traumatic brain injury symptoms, are very similar. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And like when you're getting raided out of the Veterans Administration after like you leave your military post or your um, military service, Mm -hmm. um, they will, those symptoms like overlap. So it's very, it's very tenuous whether you've got PTSD or whether you've got a traumatic brain injury going on Mm -hmm. And, and the benefits are different and the care is different depending Mm -hmm. on what you're
1: diagnosed with but Mm -hmm. i mean back in the day like world war one it was called shell shock wasn't it that um right when people were blasting the head or they weren't protected but obviously back then they literally had the protective equipment was so limited compared to what it probably is now um but i think with veterans as well i mean it's definitely the same with nfl players or anyone with CTE. but as as part of kind of them suffering the brain injury they also did with like you said a lot of ptsd a lot of psychological symptoms um so that's definitely a, a cause for concern and that is why a lot of more people are now speaking out about the veteran side um of it so hopefully people can get, get again gain insight when we have these wonderful guests joining us soon from coming home well organization that are going to share their stories and what that what work they're doing wow that's
0: wonderful i'm so excited for that
1: The last question for today is: How does brain donation work? They speak. They've seen a lot of people talk about how they've donated their brains or donate. Sorry, donated their partner's brains, um, but they wanted how it worked.
0: Well, I only know of the way Boston University does it, and I don't. Are they the only? um, I don't think they're the the main place. They are the the main brain, I guess. But yeah. yeah. Well, um, years ago we got a, um, some different women I know got a card and they, um, with a phone number on it. Mm -hmm. And, and I think the loved one that they thought might have CPE, like basically you carry it in your wallet so that when the person whose brain you want to donate, um, passes, you have a phone number to call right away, wherever that happens, you know, and then Boston University um if they accept it they will go ahead and coordinate going to pick the brain up wherever that is and Mm -hmm. getting it back to Boston University in in time and there's a time frame
1: yeah I'm not sure what the time frame is but on this I was going to say on the concussion legacy foundation website they actually have a link to or the form basically to fill out if you do want to pledge your brain or pledging your loved one's brain um and I know because I've met a lot of the the people at the huddle. I'm sure you spoke to them too, Trisha that work um, for the bank, brain bank and they, they deal with all of this side and speak to the family members. And uh-huh. I know that everyone who's been through this process has had nothing but great experiences and they really basically just speak to the person. They get the key information and they, and they deal with it. I mean, it's quite a smooth process, but, um, In terms of their side but we'll leave the link to to that if people just want to interestingly have a look of what it looks like um yeah it's on the concussion legacy foundation website um and i was old school i just had a
0: little card i was carrying around so i didn't i didn't know they
1: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how long this has been there for but um yeah Yeah. it's a a great way to to be able to do it so that is the end of today's Q&A session. We hope that you all have learned something, new. And you've gained some clarification on some of the key questions that you've sent in. To be fair, every month for us, Trisha, is CT Awareness Month. So um, <laughs> For us, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we will be continuing doing what we're doing. Um, if you guys like this, these Q&A sessions, please do let us know in the comments because maybe every month we can do one. It's been great speaking to you all again. Um, join us next week monday eight o'clock for the next episode of cte talk goodbye everyone thank
0: you